another fine day at Camp Dynasty. I am Counselor Austin, joined by Counselor Colin. And we are recording on a Monday evening as we typically do, Colin. And that means by the time that anybody is hearing this podcast, college football will have a national champion. So that's exciting. Yeah, congratulations to whichever team wins. Um, Hopefully Washington. I was going to say, I I don't know if we're in the (laughs) prediction business necessarily, but I'm rooting for Washington. I'm same. I I think that means that Michigan's going to win. Because we yeah. both, and they're like the villain and all that. So, but it would be a nice storybook end to uh, this beautiful Washington season and the Michael Penix, you know, continuance of dominance and, you know, Rome and McMillan and company. So, uh, should be a fun game. Yeah. A lot of campers in the national title game tonight. Excited to watch that. But before. We get to watching the national championship. We are talking about 2024 Dynasty rookie tight end prospects. We are moving through our 2.0 ranking series. We had the wide receivers last week. That was a, a, a little bit of a hit. People have been waiting for that wide receiver episode to drop. I've the been class. waiting we, yeah, for same. the wide receiver episode. We know that that's the strength of this draft class. Um Tight ends, on the other hand, Colin, we know that we have a guy at the top. I don't think there's any surprises in store for us on this episode. But outside of the top guy, what did you think of this tight end group? So before the season, I was pretty so-so. I was, you know, it's kind of, I don't really know. Uh, Cade Stover was my wider, or my tight end too, and it was like, I, I don't feel great about it, uh, but coming back and like looking at all these prospects, all these guys that have declared, I was pleasantly surprised. I, I feel pretty solid about uh, my top five, and I mean, yeah, like I said, pleasantly surprised. How about you? Same, I think. I mean, the one thing I will say is last year, we had an amazing tight end group. And I think it sort of throws off the barometer when you're going into a new year because you come in disappointed because, man, we just had some really, really good tight ends. And we we saw now after a full season of those players that they were, in fact, good players. I mean, from one to six, I think, on our list at this point last year, Tucker Craft was like six on my list, I think. And it's like... We got six deep. Now, let's go back to normal a little bit. This is more of a normal tight end group outside of having this, you know, presence at the top. But from two to five, I thought there were some interesting players for sure. Uh, Maybe even some beyond five guys that, you know, I think will have some sort of an NFL role. And we know in the fantasy community how fickle tight ends can be and a lot of it comes down to scheme and offense and how much are we prioritizing a tight end and um you know for some of these guys it'll matter more than others but that's what we're here to talk about today so without further ado let's jump into it 
I will go first today because right. I made you go first we're, last we're week. See, we're off. doing a nice little alternating pattern here. Um, number five for me in this class is a player that has not officially declared for this class yet, but I will be talking about him because I feel like he will or should maybe. Uh, Bryson Nesbitt, the tight end from North Carolina that I talked about in the summer. I believe he might have been in this exact position for me in the summer, either four or five for me. Um, first of all, do you have him in your top five? He's not in my top five. Okay. He's just outside. Okay. So I, and I think I know why. And so, um, strengths for Nesbitt. Why does he end up in my top five again? Wasn't necessarily a great year, but a good year, 585 yards with five touchdowns for Nesbitt. We thought he might have a bigger role in this offense because of Josh Downs leaving, and we knew that the the wide receiver talent was lacking there. And, I mean, he kind of had almost the same year that he had last year, essentially. But the big thing to know with Nesbitt is that he is not – really a tight end and that's why i feel like you are gonna have him outside of your top five is that correct yep yep that that is correct so the thing about nesbitt he plays almost exclusively from the slot to the point where pff no longer has him labeled as a tight end the team still has him labeled as tight end on the roster page but pff has said look we're not going to call him a tight end because he's not really playing that position. He is playing from the slot as a wide receiver, and that's what we're going to label him as. And that's that's fair. But 6'5", 235, this is a big, framed, long player. He definitely does not move like a wide receiver. I think of a guy like Johnny Wilson, who is a similar-sized player, but a much more fluid athlete. I think Nesbitt is still kind of a player that can pack some mass onto this frame and maybe even become a little bit of a different player than we see today. And that really is the appeal. And it was the appeal for me in the summer. The potential that this player has for, for a guy of this size to be as fluid as he is, is incredibly impressive. That is the number one thing that jumped out for me. Incredibly fluid athlete, able to build up speed quickly and run some fairly good routes from time to time. I mean, there were some advanced routes on his film. I saw a double move post route in which he, or double move corner, one of the two, and he just absolutely cooked the, his matchup on that play. And I'm like, man, you are a 235-pound tight end playing from the slot doing that. That's kind of crazy. Uh, also reliable hands player that flashes in ability to be an elite catch point player. I mean, he has some stunning high point catches on his film. He plays with his length. He plays with his size. He plays physically dominant at the catch point, even though he's not one of these 250 pound tight ends, he still throws his weight around in those contested situations. And I mean, he's got some real gems. There's a, a touchdown against Duke that is an, an incredible play, incredible catch. So he has a lot of these traits that 
with the tight end position become very alluring. It's not necessarily a what are you, but it's what can I make you. And I think Nesbitt has a lot of that. Yeah, I he's a very nice receiver, like at 6'5", 235. And the, the hang-up I have is what you laid out. It's like yep. if you're going to be a receiver, you have to be like – really really good in order to kind of ignore that you're not in line that you're not blocking that you're not doing the the other half of the tight end duties essentially so could he be like an inline guy could he we don't know so that that's that's where it's like it's a pretty big unknown for a, a tight end and so that that was my big hang up otherwise I agree with pretty much everything you you're saying is like He's a good receiver. He's fluid for his size. Like, if a team wanted to, you know, plug him and work with him and develop him and turn him into, like, a real tight end, that would be cool. If you want to trim him down, he's got a little bit, like you said, there's some routes that look real for him. And you want to trim him down, you want to have him be a 6'5", whatever wide receiver, you could do that, but... I don't love the tweener. Yep. I, that's that's exactly what I'm thinking of when you're saying that. And there's a couple of these in this class, like right. some some real tweener players, which is like, which way do you go? Yep. Like, do I love Nesbitt as like a big slot wide receiver? I I don't know if I do. Right. You know, like it's it, the allure is the, the size athleticism combo at the tight end position. I mean, it's – I don't know. He's a he he's a player that when I watch him, I'm constantly wowed by what he can do. But there is that limitation of will he be able to do this at the NFL level if he's not, you know, varying up his game. And I think of a player like Mike Gusecki, the usage of a Gusecki where the first year when the Dolphins tried to put him in line, it was like terrible. Right. And, and second year, it was like four-to-one slot snap ratio. And suddenly, he was a 700-yard player. And, you know, but look at the career arc, you know? Like, how long does it last with a player like that when the game is kind of one-dimensional in that facet? I feel like just if you're going to be, like, a receiving threat, like, you got to go to, like, you got to be like Kyle Pitts if you're going to see the field often in the NFL. If you're going to like have the one-dimensional game because Pitts yep. not a great blocker. And so our I mean this whole Arthur Smith thing, whatever, it's finally over, thank God, but hey, he, look at that. <laughs> he and of course Kyle Pitts has to get a mention on the tight ends episode of or course. else it wouldn't be a tight ends episode. 2 but, years running, man. Um if you're going to be like heavily a receiving tight end if you're gonna see the field consistently in the nfl you need to be elite at receiving and like nesbitt might be at some point i just don't think it's there yet yep completely fair so a little bit of a tweener a little bit of a project might be a common theme with some of the players we're talking about today who is your number five tight end in this class? My number five is Ben Sinnott 
out of Kansas State. Do you have him ranked? I have him higher. Okay. And I will say higher enough that I am not willing to share okay. right now. Okay. We'll we'll wait on Senate then. Okay. That and that is how you say the name, right? Yes. I meant to. I meant to. I, okay. I double checked. Okay. I didn't do my journalism homework <laughs> for this episode, but uh, all right. So we'll wait on Senate. Number Senate. Senate. Not Senate. No, it's O T T. Okay. Well, then, Herb, Herb, I'm telling. That's what I heard Herb Street say. This is why I wanted to double check it, and now I'm. I'm listening to the home, the the Kansas State announcers. So I don't. I trust them. (laughs) I don't trust Kirk on many things, including this. Uh, Number four on my list, Cade Stover. Okay. You have him higher. Nope. You don't have him higher. All right. Six. Okay. So this is an interesting conversation then because you had Stover at number two in the preseason, like you said earlier, and I did not have Stover in my top five at that point. So I know I'm technically like on the docket here to go first, but I I actually want to hear from you as to what you saw with with Stover that had you feeling less excited. Yeah, so – the honest answer is I was never truly excited about Stover from the start. I just felt like he had the most, he was the most like polished product going into the year. And yep. what I, what I want out of my tight end is like someone that can do both things, like someone that can get down on the line and then someone that can, you know, get a little bit busy in the pass game and Stover was a nice, reliable option for this Ohio State team. And so I I cooled off on him a little bit because there's just not, like, a ton of juice after the catch. And that that was my biggest, like, hang-up is in the NFL, all of the best tight ends that you're looking at are good after the catch. And, like, Stover does a lot of things – good you know he can block pretty well he finds zones well he has good hands he's you know a reliable target in traffic all that stuff and I think like he just doesn't have a very high ceiling is really where I landed yep 100% same I mean this is where this sort of a class kind of shows itself here is when a player like Stover is my number four player because everybody below him is like a day three player in my opinion like I didn't have uh, I think all five of my guys are like day two and Nesbitt was like a fringe like a late third early fourth type of a grade for me Stover I think goes higher than tight end four in the NFL draft maybe because his game is much more than what his fantasy impact will be in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I think he like exactly what you said, not a high upside NFL tight end as a receiver. I think he's an excellent blocker. He is a, he's going to make his money in the NFL because of his blocking ability. In my opinion, he's got great technique, great strength, pass blocking, run blocking. I mean, 
he had some truly like magnificent blocks on film. Like you know, we watch these guys, like I want to see some killer catches. And then I'm watching Stover block two guys single-handedly against Notre Dame on an outside run where he, he gets the first guy and then he jumps off to the second defender as the running back is getting to that edge. I'm like, man, this is nuts. This is high level. Yeah. So I came away saying, man, this is a, an amazing blocker. He's going to make money in the NFL as a blocker. He's a good receiver too. It's not that I don't think he is a good receiver. He's been a consistent receiver for Ohio State the last two years. Like you said, good hands uh, can make adjustments to the ball as well. I mean, he's not a player that has like a crazy, you know, I don't think he's like a crazy athlete. He's not going to be a mega tester or anything, but he shows an ability to adjust to the ball, to track the ball, to high point it. I mean, he makes some really good catches on film. He had no drops this year, six for 10 on contested situations. So good receiver. Just don't see him as a high upside weapon. He's not going to be a tight end that comes into an offense and like operates as like a number two option for that team, at least in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, the the things that he does well is going to make him see the field. And that's that's the simple thing is like if you want a safe option, you know, in your dynasty drafts and you're like, okay, I'm between, you know, Stover and maybe another guy like say Nesbitt. And you're like, well, Nesbitt's a better receiver. It's like, well, Stover, you can be more sure that he's yeah. going to see, you know, more work. He's just going to get more snaps day one. So that's exactly why he's my number four right. too. Like it was a, it was a product of like, I think this guy's just going to be on the field. Right. Like he, he will be a something yep. in the NFL. Well, these other players, I'm, I can't say that. And that's, that's kind of what, like you look back to last year and that's the same reasoning I had to like rank Darnell Washington. Cause it's like, yep. well, he's going to play. So like, who knows after that? Right. And, like, you see how that goes with Washington. Like, he's a good, yep. productive player, but it's just there's no, like, receiving work because he's just an excellent blocker, and that's about it. So he he does well for the Steelers, and they're probably happy they drafted him, but then, you know, the, the fantasy production isn't there. I could see Stover being, obviously, more productive than that because he's not, like, a tackle like Darnell Washington yeah. is, but... Yeah. Uh, I just think like the the ceiling is a little capped because of the the athleticism and the run after catch. Yep, hundred percent. And also, final note on Stover will be twenty four years old when he enters his first season in the NFL. So this is a much older player than many of the names we are talking about today. Number four on your list. My number four. Uh, is Eric all out of Iowa? Really? Yeah. I, I honestly, I didn't watch him. Okay. Well, here we are then. So, all right. Tell me about, him. uh, Eric all, he didn't have a, a huge season for Iowa he had 299 yards, uh, on 21 catches. He played seven games and that's the red flag here is there's, Injury concern with all coming into the season. Uh, gets banged up again, but 
man, I, he's just a good player. Like when he's he's a fluid player, he breaks tackles, he runs the seam really well, he has great hands, uh, he can block a little bit. It's not you know anything spectacular, uh, but it's just solid. Like it's good enough where he can hang a little bit. Uh, I mean. I don't know. I just see a lot of traits with all. And I, I remember you talked about him before the season because he was at Michigan prior. He transferred into Iowa. And, you know, it, it was just a name to watch. He's This is his fifth season. So he's a fifth-year senior. Uh, so he And he also has declared for the draft. So we're good there. I don't know how many years you can play in college football anymore. I think it's like up to eight. <laughs> like eight? Yeah. So you never know. You could be a fifth-year senior and still have like three years of eligibility left. So just got to put that out there. He's a fifth-year senior, and he declared. Um, I mean, had a little bit of a drops problem. Like, it's it's a raw player that is in his fifth year, but the traits are, like, so good that I'm like, man, I, I got to have this guy on my list because he can block, he can catch, he can run after the catch. Like, there's all the things that are on my list that need to be checked off were checked off by Eric Hall. It's just he's got to be on the field. Yeah, that's really what it is. I mean, he was a top five tight end for me coming into this season, but it it sort of comes with a caveat of like we need to see a full year of Eric All. We need to see what this player can be. Uh, similar to that 2021 season that he had at Michigan. That was where a lot of the film that I was watching coming into the year was coming from. It's 2021. And it's just a player that I think I sort of wrote off because we, he, you know, we lose him middle of the season again, older player going to be almost 20 or will be, I think just newly 24 when the NFL season begins. So I kind of just said, eh, maybe not. But hearing this, now I know I got to go back and I got to make sure that we got our bases covered with Eric All because I remember seeing a good player from yep. a couple years ago at Michigan. I mean, a very crafty route runner. That's always something that perks your attention when you're looking at tight ends, when you have a guy that knows how to separate in a variety of ways. I remember All doing that. So, um, all right. Eric Hall. Eric Hall. That's so top of my he, list. he tore his ACL against Wisconsin, just to make that clear. So he tore his ACL yeah, this year. Yeah, that's why he missed half the season. Oh Jesus. So <laughs> it's it's concerning. So the medical red flags have become they're all over the place. Glowing red flags. Yes. So lava uh, molten. Not ideal for for that, but I mean we'll see. See if talent can prevail. Amen. All right. Number three, right? That's where yeah. we are. Yeah. I got JT Sanders at number three. Me too. Okay. Good. Nice. I I was worried ben that Sinan you were going to be. number two tight end. Hell yeah. It might, it might be. Yeah. Right. Oh, well. <laughs> well, it might be number one. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> no. Um, all right. JT Sanders, um, player that. Before the year, I it was my number two tight end. I thought it was pretty cut and dry. I thought it was Bowers, then it was Sanders, and then it was everybody else. 
that was how I saw this class. And honestly, JT Sanders is just a player that I think I am going to have to just say, I don't know if I want anything to really do with him. Like he scares me more than most players in this class. And I have him at number three, basically by default, because when a player is this big and this athletic, you kind of have to just say, well, there is a scenario where he turns into a star in the NFL. I've just seen it go the other way way too many times with players that are this unpolished, that are this poor of a blocker. I mean, come on, man. We just needed to see a little bit of something this year as opposed to 2022. And what I saw was that he got more willing as a blocker. I think he was less, you know, he wasn't on his heels as much. He was putting himself into people at the, at the, you know, punch point. But once that defensive lineman got engaged, it was over. I mean, it was, he was not a consistent blocker again this year. And that, you know, these things, I mean, there's a long road for him to go from what he is today to a reliable NFL, you know, caliber receiving tight end. And that jump right now was too much for me to put him at the number two spot anymore. Yeah, I'm in the same place. It's like I put him at number three because he's a really good receiver, very fluid. Like he does good work in the receiving game. Um, I didn't put him at number two because I saw the same issues that we saw preseason when it comes to blocking. It's like, you're right. He put in more effort. You can tell he's trying, but it's just, it's just not very good. And there's guys on this list that like my number five, Ben Sinnott, that there, he's a better blocker. Eric all he's a better blocker and that's a receiving tight end I mean then my other top two are both better blockers so he's the worst out of my top five and like I want to like him more because the athleticism is excellent like the receiving is really good but this is kind of the same conversation that like same way I feel about Nesbitt except Sanders you know it's not good like Nesbitt, there's an idea of like, ah, oh, maybe you can get him in, get him in the line, teach him, whatever. Sanders, it's like you you can see pretty clearly the run blocking is gonna be a real issue because it's an issue against like Oklahoma in college. And you're gonna be playing guys a lot better than Oklahoma's trotting out there when you get to the next level. So just like you said, guys get their hands on them and they engage first, we're done. Like Pack it up. It's over. So uh, the positives are clear. Like, it's what has him at number three. Like, the receiving is really good. So Well, and the thing, like, when we talked about in the summer, let's rewind for anybody who didn't listen to that conversation. This was or is a five-star athlete. He was a five-star player that – came in as an edge rusher tight end hybrid athlete he was a five-star athlete recruited to texas and they went they opted to put him at tight end this is a player that is still 
growing and developing at this position. And there is a very, it's very obvious watching his tape that he is a, a ball of clay. He is the epitome of a ball of clay where an NFL team can look at the player with the size and athleticism combo and say, man, with three years, I could turn this guy into a star. And that's why I think he likely will be the second tight end drafted in the NFL because somebody is going to look at him in this class where honestly, it's not a ton to write home about after number one. And they see the athlete that Sanders is and they'll say, okay, that's the guy. And that's cool. I just am a, I, as a dynasty manager, if I'm sitting in a dynasty draft and this is my, I'm on the clock, it's the second round and I got a lot of players here that I like and JT Sanders is coming up on my board. I feel like I'm going to be like, man, I don't want to take Sanders right now. Like I just, I don't want that right now because he is so raw as a receiver right now. And it's, it's amazing how productive he has been in college football for two years. I mean, this is, this was the second, third, third leading tight end receiver in all of college football this year, 682 yards. And we're calling him raw. And that is a testament to the level of athlete that he is. And Texas knows what they have here. A lot of his touches are, we know we have an athlete. Let's get the ball in his hands. It's screens where he's getting a lot of yards after the catch with his speed, or it's trick plays. I mean, seriously, there were three trick plays in the few games that I watched that resulted in broken coverage where Sanders was wide open in the, in down the field. And two of them, I think finished for touchdowns. So you're talking about like a sixth, maybe more of his production is coming just simply off of a couple trick plays from broken coverage. He's not really a, a receiver yet. He's not really a real receiver at this position, but that does make it kind of incredible that he's been able to be this productive at this level of college football. So there is a, there is a player here there, or there is a, uh, a, a real, you know, star potential player in this body right now. The path to get there is just very long for me. Yeah, it, he is a, a very unrefined player, like like you mentioned. It, tight end is a difficult position to learn. You know, if you're playing offense, it's up there. I mean, it's not quarterback, it's not center, but it's might be the third most difficult position that you're playing because you got to do both jobs and you got to do both jobs well. And he does one job pretty well. That's the receiving does one job. Not so well, but you can tell, like you said, there's a player here that can be sculpted out of the stone. You know, Michelangelo, he said, you know, there's a statue in there. I just got to go find it. There's, there's, there's a statue in here. It's just uh, NFL staff has to go find it make Michelangelo the offensive coordinator and we'll get a <laughs> get a statue out of this. Damn right. Um oh god. Okay. Yeah, who's my number 2? Who the hell is your number 2? Please enlighten me. Uh my number 2 is Dallin Holker out of Colorado really? State. Yeah. Okay. Here we are. 
Uh, I love it. I didn't watch him. Okay. So please tell me. Yeah. So this is. So Rob Gronkowski was once likened to a telephone pole if it played football. That's how I felt watching Dalen Holker. Gronk comp. Yep. We got I, it. I, I, that's my comp. This kid, like yeah, actually, uh, this guy's a freak. Like, I was so shocked. He has incredible hands. I mean, probably four or five one-handed catches that he just mitts it. Like sticks, it's not. He's not tipping it to himself, just sticking it to his hand. I mean, the kid can run after the catch. He can break tackles. He can block. Now, he's in the FCS, so that's the the thing. It's like he's playing against the inferior competition, whatever. But he led. What Colorado State is FBS, aren't they? That's Mountain West. Oh, it's Mountain West. It's not Sorry. Power Five. Sorry. I get it. It's my fault. It's it's okay. Misspoke. I got you. That's Thank what you. I'm here for. I appreciate that. They play in the Mountain West. Inferior competition. <laughs> Point still stands. Uh, you know, best team they play is probably Colorado. Um, so take that for what you will. That was when Colorado was a thing too. Week two. I was I was awake at like one in the morning watching this game. Yeah, and he where had six Holker catches, was going off. 106 yards, two touchdowns. But yeah, he led all of college football in receiving with 766 yards. I mean, it's just a, a hyper productive player and the tape lines up with like what you see in the box score. It's you know, a couple drops here and there, but outside of that, he's very reliable. He'll sit down in zones. He's, you know, doing a multitude of routes. He's catching the ball all over the place. He's running after the catch. I mean, he has, like like I said, some spectacular catches in this. Like, I was so shocked. I was just going to watch him because it's like, okay, he's 6'5", about 240. You know, he's really productive. Maybe he'll end up in the top five somewhere. And then I watched him, and I was like, oh, my God. Like, this is an incredible player. So, I mean, uh, he transferred in from BYU into Colorado State after three uneventful seasons, and he has declared for the draft also. So, uh, confirmed will be there. Um, I just, yeah, this is why I was pleasantly surprised with this draft, is him and Ben Sinnott were the two. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, I got to go back now and watch Holker. Um, but man, that's, that's wild because I remember watching that Colorado game and be like, who is this kid? Yeah. Like he's kind of popping off. And then I kind of forgot about the name, but yeah, led all, uh, tight ends in college football in receiving this year. And from the alma mater that's of right. the great Trey McBride. Hey. So just saying now, uh, now, that this all being said, he's not a like perfect player. He's not super polished, and like the blocking is here and there. I mean, he's got a big body, and he should be a better blocker, especially because he's going up up against the Mountain West. Uh, so that w- that would be my biggest issue is like it's uh, unrefined blocking. It, he's missing blocks. He's he's going for like. The highlight block, he's kind of one of those players where he's, you know, trying to hurt somebody when he's running, which I love. I mean, that's what you want out of your tight end. But when you're blocking, sometimes you just got to engage and hold it down. And so that 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 was the, the one thing where I was like, all right, 
relax. <laughs> let's just let's just hold down the edge of the line and you know clear out some space for your running back. But I just I was really really pleasantly surprised with Holker. Hell yeah, I could say the same thing about my number two tight end, Ben Sinat. Sinat. Ben Sinat. There we go. He's my number two player in the class, and I can't even get the name right. Ben Sinnott. Here we go. Uh, Man, was I – I had a similar experience, I think, to you with Holker in a way because Sinnott was not a player that I watched before this season, and um, I'd heard the name, and then he ends up having a, a good year this year with Kansas State, that is where he plays, uh, 669 yards and six touchdowns for them, was first team Big 12. He is just a really, really good receiver. Like he and I, I don't, I don't want to put this out there because I'm not making a comp whatsoever, but I had a similar experience to last year when I watched Sam Laporta and I was just shocked at how fluid he was out of his breaks from the tight end position, a player that can run a variety of routes already. And honestly kind of weird because he's kind of a stiff runner. Like he's like a upright kind of looks a little weird as he's building up speed, but he can just snap those routes off curls, digs, all of that looked really good. He, he can stretch the field. A uh, lot of screens. Great yak player. The acceleration is phenomenal. Uh, he There were multiple plays where they just get it in his hands at the line of scrimmage and just let him go to work, and it works out a lot for them. Um, so great, good athlete at least with you know some good burst, great hands, good route runner and he's an he's a decent blocker like it's it's a little hit or miss he's very active aggressive very willing to throw his weight around um doesn't always go well uh he gets a little ahead of himself i think he loses leverage loses balance a lot of times um struggles to maintain inside leverage when guys are trying to move toward the the middle to get into the pocket of the quarterback he struggles to keep them out of that direction and needs to add strength stronger defenders were were getting him on his heels way too often but uh definitely not the sort of you know red flag as a blocker compared to a guy like sanders like this guy has a foundation as a blocker to build on already so i'm um, curious to hear what you thought about Sinet. I Sinet. Uh Sinet. A... <laughs> how many different names can I call yeah, the same like how player? Many iterations of S I N N O T T can we pronounce? Um I so I was a little scared to put a Meyer in this, if I'm gonna be honest, because I was like, who you know, what what's going on here? He's wearing number thirty four. A little yeah, undersized. That doesn't help his cause. You know, at all. he's a little undersized, uh, playing for Kansas State. But I mean, I just I didn't see a ton that I disliked from Senate. I, I could have I would like him to be a little bit more physical after the catch. 
Because, like, I feel like he's, like you mentioned, he's a very fluid runner. He's good after the catch. Uh, the, you see a couple times, it's almost like Deontay Johnson syndrome where, like, you catch the ball and you, like, go backwards to, like, survey what's going on and then you go forward. And it's like, I don't want that out of my tight end. I don't want to see you do that. Like, let's just fall forward, give me my first down, whatever. But that being said, it can lead to nice rack plays. And so it's the give and the take. Um, but I just, yeah, I I was happy to see him. I was like, hey, Ben Sinnott, this is a fun player. Uh, but the, the undersized portion was my main concern is he's a little small. He's 6'4". 245 he looks a little smaller than that i'd say um and it's just it shows up every once in a while like in the blocking specifically it's like he can get pushed back you mentioned it uh and then in the the stiffness it doesn't it's it's i feel like it's in the hips yeah a little bit and there was a play where somebody like barely tapped his heel and he goes down it's like you gotta. I feel like we gotta get run through that. Like we need a little more, get a little loose in the hips here. So those those are the two things where I'm like, I'd like to, you know, the size can't can't help that. I mean, you can put on weight, whatever, but then you lose a little bit of the the stuff that makes you who you are. And then the fluidity. I'd like to. I'd like to see him be a little more loose as a player. Yeah, the the size thing is my big hang up here. Like I still put him at number two because I thought the talent warranted this spot, mm. but he is kind of another tweener in a way. Like I am curious to find out like how will an NFL team like value his skill set at this size because I mean, he's he's playing H back for them a lot. They played him at fullback a few times. I mean, like what is his role in the NFL? What will an NFL team see him as? I think he's talented enough to play tight end. I agree. And just th- they can put a little weight on him and turn him into a real tight end. He's a versatile player, can line up all over. Like I said, I mean, H-back, he's lining up in the slot, in line. I mean, he's all over the place in this offense because he was one of their best offensive weapons, if not the best on this team this year. So, um, that, that really is my big hang up with him is like, will he get to be a real tight end at the NFL level? But outside of that, I mean, add a little nuance to his routes. I mentioned he can snap him off. He can run a variety of routes, just needs to clean them up a little bit. Some of timing stuff where he's running himself into coverage. Um, and yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. But I, I like the player a lot. Something that I was I was looking at when I saw him, I was like, could this player end up being like one of those those fullbacks that's pretty involved in the offense? Like, yeah. like I Kyle Juszczyk is the main example, and like that would be a hell of a career arc for him. Like that'd be a good thing is if he ended up as Kyle Juszczyk. But there was a little bit of that there where it's like, you know, he's a little smaller, but he can do everything. And he'd be like, once he gets a little steam behind him, like you see him coming out of that backfield as a fullback or H-back, and he's blocking, lead blocking. It's like, oh, okay. So once you get a little bit of juice behind you, like when you're not just standing up and trying to hold your ground, it looks a little better. And so 
I wouldn't be surprised if he's deployed that way. I don't know if he I, – I think he's talented enough a receiver to play tight end, like, full time. But I wouldn't be shocked if an NFL team made that decision. Yep. I I feel the same way. And I'm like, man, I can't wait for my number two tight end to be turned into a, a full time H back. Like I do not back. like please don't turn out to be Andrew Beck. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Who had a a ninety yard touchdown? Hello. In week people 18. forget. Did, you know? Yeah. Just people happened. forget it just happened. I forgot <laughs> because Because he plays for Houston and it was just right. out of nowhere. Yep. Anyway, number one. All right, number one. Uh, it, I mean, it's everybody else and then this guy in this class, as far as I'm concerned. The grade that I have on this player is vast compared to the number two tight end in this class. And it's Brock Bowers. And that is no surprise to anybody who is familiar with this class, but it gives me great joy, Colin, that we get to talk about Brock Bowers once again because what a freaking player. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, where's the flaw in the game is really the question. Um, now, you you heard me talk about me worrying about Ben Sinnott's size, 6'4", yep. about 245. Bowers is 6'4", 240. Well, why yep. are you not worried about Brock Bowers' size, you might ask? Tell us. Because uh, doesn't matter. Doesn't show up at all. Like, the reason I care about Sinnott's size is because he gets thrown off blocks, stuff like that. Like, Brock, he holds his own. No matter what. I mean, the the run after catch is unbelievable. The, the catch radius is great. The routes are awesome. Uh, he's an end of the line blocker. He can move, uh, but like before the play, he's uh, like once he gets in motion and he he can transfer that motion into his route. He can play outside. He can play slot. He can play tight end. Like this is an incredible, complete tight end prospect. It really is, and I think we are at a point now where we have seen so many of these guys come through and not be the guy. And so when I'm watching Bowers, I'm like, what is the thing yep. that prevents him from becoming that person? Because I mean, Hawkinson is probably the best case we can make from like a tight end, a top 10 NFL tight end draft pick that like became a real star at the position. Like Pitts is TBD. Pretty much everybody else is a nothing or an almost nothing. The reason that I am very confident that Brock Bowers is not nothing is because of the fact that a lot of these players get drafted in the top 10, it's based on their receiving upside. And a guy like Hawkinson had a blocking foundation to fall back on. And we, you know, it, it kind of carried him through a lot of the first few years in the league. And now suddenly you see him becoming more of that receiving weapon in the right situation, in the right offense, a good fit in Minnesota now. And he starts to become that player. For Bowers, it's like you have that blocking foundation already, and you are a dynamic receiving weapon. Like, it's not just like good blocker, good receiver, this is a killer tight end. It's like great blocker, elite receiver. Yep. 
So it's that rare combination of a player that I really feel like has almost no weaknesses to his game at this position. And you talk about the size and that really is like the only thing that like when I watch Bowers and you see, oh, he's 240, whatever. Like he was even smaller than that. I think coming into the year, I think they had him listed at like 230 or 235 now listed at 240. It's like, that is the one thing where it's like, if you were 250 pounds, man, you'd be like the third overall pick. Like you'd be Kyle Pitts again, you'd be a top three pick, but Again, it's not going to matter to me that much because he it doesn't show up in his blocking at all. He is an incredibly strong player. And not not just the blocking either. His strength shows up in every single rep that he has. As a blocker, his lower body strength is phenomenal. He's an he's a tenacious blocker. He will attack guys in at in blocks. And if if a guy sheds his block, he's not giving up on that play. He'll get in on him again, keep him out of the area that he's trying to keep him out of. So he'll get after blocks. And then with the ball in his hands, I mean, you can't get this guy down. He His strength at in the open field is like shocking, considering that he also has this dynamic, elusive skill set as well, this athleticism that allows him to force missed tackles just purely with his elusiveness then to be a player that you can't get him down when you got your hands on him. He's running through arm tackles. He's getting off defenders. I mean, he is an incredible, incredible tight end prospect, incredible receiving weapon, and a guy who's literally going to come in from day one and contribute to whatever team drafts him. Yeah, I mean, the the things that Bowers does so well, are the things that the NFL is doing with their tight ends. Yep. And that, that's what makes it feel so like makes me feel so confident. And so like he's being used as a fullback, which is something that NFL teams are doing more and more because the fullback is a dying breed, you know? So tight ends are asked often to get in the backfield and, he can run the ball as a fullback. Like, if you need him short yardage, he'll put his head down, go between the tackles, and get you, like, two yards. If you want to put him in motion and hand him a tight end reverse, go ahead and do that, too. Like, it's such he has such a versati- versatility that it's almost hard to, like, explain – the the variety of things that you can do with this player and how much it could open your offense up like there are so many teams that could use a weapon like this and so he's gonna go top 10 and people are automatically gonna do the thing where they're like well he's tight end whatever blah blah blah. but it's it's hard to even comprehend that this player is gonna make a big difference like this and the run after the catch is the main thing that's going to make him a dynasty asset because like you can be a good, a really, really good tight end and have like 700 yards per season in the NFL. And that, that'd be fantastic. But the thing that's going to bring Bowers from wherever, you know, his floor is and raise it is the run after catch. Cause like you can get six catches, you know, 
getting a depth of target 12 yards and you're sitting at 70 whatever yards but taking that and then turning it into a a 40 yard play a la george kittle like taking guys on your back and like carrying them and you know the stiff arm is so so good from bowers like throwing people ragdolling grown men (laughs) and it's just like this is going to translate like that that there's no doubt about that so the blocking like we'll see if that translates directly because like he dominates and that's what you need is like he needs to be dominant against college players because he is a little undersized for the nfl so we'll see if that translates directly but it feels like it will like he's not probably not going to be a dominant blocker in the nfl but he'll be good and then the versatility is obviously going to translate. The run after catch is obviously going to translate. Like, it's just hard to see uh, an outcome where this doesn't work out, and so that means that it won't, right? Exactly. <laughs> Bust proof. Yeah, exactly. That that's where that's where you run into into the troubles. I mean, I do I do want to talk about the yards after catch again okay. because I have some numbers. Hell yeah. That are just, I, I feel like they're mind-boggling. Uh, for his career in college, 8.5 yards after the catch per reception. 8.5 yards after the, he is nearly getting a first down after every time he touches the ball just with what he's doing after the point when he catches it. 18 missed tackles forced this season was a career high in a shortened year for him. I mean, dynamic is the best way that I can describe him. He is a nightmare in the open field. He will beat you with speed. He will beat you with elusiveness. He will beat you with strength. He, he You cannot pinpoint Brock Bowers into one thing when he has the ball in his hands. He is a true all-around weapon in that area of the game. And you just don't see players at this position take over games in the way that he has for several years. And I go back to that Auburn game where when you watch that film back and you just see the point in the game where he says we're not losing like I am going to put this team on my back and he becomes uncoverable in the middle of the field they cannot stop him and he's making tough catches he makes the one-handed grab in the middle of the I mean like there are just wow plays over and over and over when you're watching Brock Bowers it is a real treat it has been a real treat to watch this player for three years now dominate in college football. And it is incredibly exciting that it is, we are now just months away from this player being in the NFL and taking his skill set and his talents to that level of football, where I, I'm very confident that he will succeed. Now, the one thing I do want to ask you about. This is the only like negative outside of like the size stuff, which I don't even really consider a negative at this point. Like it's, we're getting smaller, we're getting faster, like everything. It's fine. The weird thing on his film this year. 
was the contested catch stuff because he was an absolutely dominant force in that area for two years. And I remember in the summer watching him and being like, are you kidding me? Right. Like he can, he can cut on a dime. He can make anybody miss in the open field. And then he's also just routinely going over the top of guys, pulling it down this year, two for two for nine, two for nine on contested catches. And it showed up on tape. He looked less imposing in those situations that the jumps weren't timed as well when he got his hands on it, it, he wasn't bringing them down. I mean, is that something that you say, well, you know, what happened here? Or do you kind of say, well, we had two years before that. Like, let's just forget about it. Yeah. That's, that's the thing for me is like, we, we have two years of film of him being good in contested catch situations. And I, we talked about it a little bit with Marvin Harrison where he yep. has the quarterback change and then it becomes a little different. I mean, with Marvin, I feel like it was different because the quarterback got markedly worse. And Beck, I mean, is worse than Bennett, I'd say, but it's not like a huge drop-off. It's not like going from Stroud to Kyle McCord, you know? Um, so maybe it's a chemistry thing. Maybe it's a placement thing, not getting it when he expects it, whatever. But I just feel like the fact that we have the, the two years of like elite contested catch production. And then this year it's not as good. And, uh, he, three of those were post injury, three of those targets, and, like, I feel like you're a little more gun-shy. You know, you had the tightrope surgery. You came back really fast from that surgery. You know, high ankle sprain, nothing to mess around with. And, you know, he comes back, only takes three full weeks off. Crazy. But then Insane. you come back. Yeah. And then you see, like, the contested catch stuff is not as good. And two – I mean, he's one for three in, in that time, and that accounts for – uh, a third of that of the target so I feel like it's it's a little a little bit of you know the injury the the quarterback change and then maybe not as aggressive at the catch point but I'm not concerned about it yep same here cool. that's Brock Bowers I like that guy. and that's the tight end class yeah G- great player like I said I mean I like some of these other guys I'm excited to go back and watch Holker revisit Eric all, but it really is Brock Bowers and then everybody else in this class. And um, that makes for maybe not a super interesting honorable mentions section, but are there any players that you want to shout out right now? Can't quit them. Say it. Jaheim Bell. For better or for worse, he's my number six tight end right now. Yeah. I mean, he had a fine season, especially when you yeah. look at the the big picture of tight end production in college football. Uh, 503 yards, two touchdowns, uh, 39 catches in this Florida State offense that we've talked about all year. You know, like it's got a lot of guys in it, a lot of mouths to feed. Uh, you know, Coleman, Johnny Wilson, Trey Benson – uh, so there, there's a lot of guys there and Jaheim Bell is just one of them ended up having a fine season. Um, good after the catch, like he's athletic, but again, he's undersized a little bit of a tweener. 
a little bit of like a, a fullback, I feel like, in the NFL. Now, this is a player that I feel like probably just is a fullback. Yeah. Like, I mean, six. I think he's 6'2". I think they have him listed at 6'3", but I saw a I also a don't think he's 239. Yeah. Like, I, I'm pretty sure he's, like, closer to 6'2", 225, 230-ish. So he is the definition of tweener. Like, yeah. great great receiving weapon like i i am excited to see how an nfl team wants to use him i just don't think he is like ever a you know consistent featured piece like i kind of get a little bit of like chego conquo vibes like too. Yeah. yeah like if in the right spot i think he could be something but Maybe nothing ever spectacular. Yeah. yeah, and like we, I've been excited about Jaheim Bell for uh, this is second year running. You know, last year he was in my top five. I think he was my number two or three tight end yep. preseason last year, and it, you know, ended up not transpiring much of anything after they called him Debo Samuel, and then <laughs> yeah. he transfers to Florida State, has his best season. Now it's like, oh, are we back? <laughs> you know. And now he's my number eight tight end. So no, we're not back. Yeah, but right. I, I still, I'm still interested in Jaheim. Yeah, he's a fun player. Mm-hmm. If nothing else, it'll be a fun. I have a day three grade on him. I don't know where he goes, but yeah, it'll be that moment on day three when it's like, oh, Jaheim hey. Bell got right. Hey, you got All anybody right. else? I don't have anybody else. Kay. That's that's as deep as I. That's honestly as deep as I went. Yeah. I got to Jaheim and I was like, okay, I don't. I'm not watching anymore. That's guys. fair. Like this is. <laughs> But some exciting, at least interesting names in this group. I think you have some project players. You have some tweener guys that are maybe more talented than their size. And then you have the unicorn on top. So it's a fun class. Nothing like last year's, you know, spectacular, amazing, like tight end changing draft class, like which we want. It's exactly what we needed in the NFL was to have an infusion of that talent. But we'll take a little bit of a year off maybe, but some of these guys could still surprise us. But I think we got three guys. uh, We are ending rankings 2.0 next week with IDPs. And then it is on to full on draft season. At that point, we get into God, the senior bowl is coming up quicker than I think it is. And it's, it's just going to be a a long and fun road from there, man. And I can't wait. I'm starting to feel that buzz. The national championship tonight means that we are officially at the end of college football and draft season is fully begun so yeah i'm starting to starting to feel it a little bit with uh draft season approaching and you know you start to think about you know the draft is kind of coming up if you think about it and the draft order set exactly the non-playoff teams we're we're locked that's what i was about to say like we're we're looking at you know starting to think about mock drafts maybe a little bit you know you start entering some things in seeing what it looks like and so it's definitely getting to be about that time where you get the itch for the draft and you know we still got some playoffs to go like you said we're uh nearing the end of the first quarter of the national championship game seven to three michigan so uh that'll probably be a really good one and that's where i'm going after this is to check that out hell yeah same here and 
If you have any thoughts on the tight end rankings from today or want to share your own, please hit us up on X, formerly known as Twitter, at camp underscore dynasty, or TikTok at camp.dynasty. And also check out our YouTube channel where video feeds of the pods do go up every week. And of course, if you enjoyed this week's episode, be sure to like, rate, review, subscribe, share, and follow the pod feed wherever you choose to listen. And we very much appreciate that. Yeah, hit the hit the bell, I think, is some the, people say oh, on YouTube. Yeah, the notifications. Yeah. Turn them on. Yeah. Never miss a rankings episode. Damn right. We stirred the pot on one of our latest TikToks, so you can jump into that argument if you also want. Yeah, or a little think... bit of a Drake May is a bust question mark, and is, uh, we is don't Mitch think Trubisky so. A bust? He's been to the playoffs <laughs> twice. He's he's a Pro Bowler, That's so right. you know he's good. Him and uh, Tyler Huntley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, man! I hate the Pro Bowl so much. I I have a Pro Bowl solution. We can talk about it later. Okay, well, that'll be for a future time. So stay tuned for that and stay tuned for IDPs next week. So until then, thanks for stopping by Camp Dynasty, and we'll see you next week.